Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Daryl Christensen. He is the COO, managing partner, and co-founder of MySource Solutions. They're a generalist, multi-purpose uh, outsourcing firm, a BPO, based down in Cebu. They're an all-American uh, ownership and management structure, and they have an enterprise background, but also have been working uh, well, work now extensively with the small and medium-sized business sector. So it was a good conversation with Daryl. I, as always, learned a lot. So I hope you might learn something also. As always, if you have any uh, on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com/podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you're already outsourcing, about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your outsourcing practices. We list over 700 outsourcing suppliers on our website, host this leading outsourcing podcast, and have over 5,000 pages of content. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. We offer everything from light brokerage, co-managed services, through to fully managed solutions. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Mention that you're a podcast listener and we will give you special attention plus a 10% discount. This is for a limited time only. Go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. So Daryl, tell me where you're sitting right now and how you found yourself to be in the Philippines. Uh, sitting in the office right now in uh, Cebu, Philippines. Um, I moved here about 10 years ago. I worked for a, a pretty large company, finance company, that brought me here to st uh, start up a team of uh, data, data analysts and train Six Sigma Revenue Assurance. And didn't know anything about the Philippines, actually, when they offered me to, to move out here and start up those teams. So I said yes and quickly fell in love with it here. Uh, got the teams going. Everything was going great. Uh, great company. But when it came time that they said it was time to go back to the corporate office, it was thank you, but no thank you. This has become home. So decided to stay. Um, have a couple partners and we, we, we decided to start up our own business, but that's, that's how I, I landed here. So. Fantastic. And, and, you know, very common experience of many expats in the Philippines, a lot of businesses, uh, you know, and your business that you were working for was a pretty, pretty large, pretty established, pretty sophisticated business. Yeah. And they, they tapped into the Philippine labor market to, to, for their processes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're a large global company, but their offices here had a staff of over 800, primarily software and hardware engineers, but also data analytics and some customer service. And so you came you know, somewhat blind to the Philippines and you were charged with running 
the office there in the Philippines? What did you think that you would encounter? And were you sort of curious as to why this you know, big global company was sourcing their developers in the Philippines? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and for the, the couple weeks notice that I had, I, I definitely did some homework and, and some Googling uh, to find out all I could. But uh, it didn't take long to figure out why. Um, once I got here, the the applicant pool here, just the intelligence, the aptitude, the the work ethic, uh, not to mention just the, the the cultural norms of of how polite and nice and customer service driven they are. Um, it, it was it became apparent pretty quick why any company would come here. Um, that and figured in with what we all know as far as a lower price point because of lower cost of living and just different economics. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so your company, you know, not wanting to dive too deep into it, but it, they were fairly technical roles. You're not just talking about basic customer service. You you were actually running a big, big team of highly technical roles. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. A lot of engineering level Incredible, huh? And uh, interesting. So that that lifestyle change that you had, you know, you, you had a glimpse of a different country, a different lifestyle, but then also the business opportunity that you saw in that. What was your thinking? You, you thought that, you know, this is such a powerful tool and, and it could benefit a lot of other businesses in the in the States? Yeah, I mean, Philippines is, is pretty well known, obviously, for their growth in the B, BPO uh industry over the last you know 10 20 years um and and, a, and so a lot of the companies with in the area that i'm at now are centered around you know providing those outsourced services uh and and it was apparent there's still so much room for growth uh so so yeah it, it again it didn't take long to to catch our attention catch my attention of, of the possibilities and and that was the direction i wanted to to go in and with having a, a strong background in managed services, it was just kind of a natural fit and a natural desire, if you will. So what was the next chapter then? Let's introduce your, your company. And, you know, this is so common a pathway. You have talented executives or business people. Uh, they see the strength of the Philippine labor market. And, you know, it, it's it's really an incredible opportunity to, to spread it out to the broader world and broader business community. Where did you see your particular angle um, and the value that you could add you with, um, with your business? Yeah. Um, our, what we wanted to do when we started this out is we did a lot of planning. We, we literally planned for a year, um, getting the businesses set up, getting the corporation registered here with the SEC, with, with the different government agencies. I, I guess where I'm going is we wanted to set a solid foundation because while there are some great BPOs here, obviously a lot, I've seen a lot over the years come and go. And it's typically because there's so many eggs in one basket or you hear about founders that that knew a contact, they knew a person, whether it's in Australia, U.S., Canada, anywhere, and they built a company around that one client. Well, things go great for a year or two, maybe a couple hundred associates. But what happens when that one client goes away? Well, then you have to let a few hundred people go and the company goes out of business. So it, Anyway, not everybody falls under that category, but we wanted to make sure we didn't. So we spent a lot of time planning, uh, building the infrastructure out with our 
policies, procedures, our game plan, our organizational structure, that's huge. We, we highly invested in our support team with account management, quality assurance, training department, and we built out the infrastructure, honestly, before we even started looking for our first client. Uh, we did not build our business based off any leads. Uh, it, it was build the foundation and they will come. And, and thankfully, it, it's worked out. And I'm, you know, looking through your website, and you've got a big, big team there, haven't you? And it, it, there's a lot of years of executive experience there. Yeah, slow, slow and steady growth. We, we've been, we've been, we've been happy and thankful and blessed. And so you came from a, an enterprise background. Are you serving enterprises or small businesses? Where do you fit into the market? No, uh, mostly we go after the small to medium size businesses. Most of our partners are small to medium size. So uh, the average accounts. I say between one and 20, but we've experienced a lot of organic growth from starting out with accounts of that size where each of the accounts have grown. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. And where do you see, so after all of your experience now and, you know, because in some ways outsourcing is this kind of uh, esoteric kind of crazy concept, but in some ways it's really just employment. You know, it's it's just like, standard employment and getting a team to work and getting operations to be smooth, except that they're sitting in a different location. Where do you see the kind of the value adds and how have you seen businesses really uh, flourish as a result of outsourcing? Right. Uh, I, I think there's two different areas or two different paradigms, depending on the company, uh, the way they look. The one is there's a, a lot of companies, small to medium size, that they're realizing whether they may have started to realize pre-COVID or because of COVID, they started realizing that it is possible to work virtual and still get quality, still get productivity. Um, and so they're starting to see that that's a possibility mixed in with the financial constraints, honestly, that a lot of that COVID has brought to a lot of companies, the need to reduce their cost. So it, it sort of migrates them or shoves them towards the idea of outsourcing. And one thing talking with a lot of our more recent clients over the last year, what they're one of the selling points, if you will, I hate, I hate to use that that expression, is their realize, realization that yes, it's it's cost effective, it's going to save me money, it can be done virtual virtually, but there is still a huge advantage um, and value in getting all those virtual or outsourced. Um, professionals under one roof. So uh, our, our main platform, we do have a large office here and our associates do come to the office every day. So there's the management oversight, there's the camaraderie, there's the team support structure that that's great. You can have it virtually, but it, it's just more apparent in an office environment and with, with the different teams interacting, uh, there's still a lot of value in that. So they're able to lower their costs. They see the benefit of outsourcing, that it doesn't have to be done physically there at their location, especially for non-core business aspects, but they still get the benefit of, of doing it in-house. Uh, as far as the other aspect, I, I think it's just some of the larger companies, some of the enterprises that have been outsourcing for a long time, um, not a lot has changed there except just the competition who, who can provide the best best associates with the best oversight, the best infrastructure to support you know, their growth, scalability, and so on and so forth. Yeah, perfect. Before we went live, we were just talking about the 
the work from home situation. And, you know, prior to COVID, Outsource Accelerator really wouldn't have worked with partners and didn't recommend partners that were home-based. But since, of course, COVID, you know, everything has changed. Uh, and it, it is a bit of a mixed message for clients, isn't it? Because we are, you know, huge proponents of remote work, uh, you know, and and that really sort of unleashes a lot of different aspects of remote work, working from home, um, globalized work, uh, even freelancers and things like that. Um, but still, I, I feel that the core um, or the sort of optimum strategy is not always the same as, uh, you know, any strategy. And generally, I think that it's it's more valuable and more productive and more efficient to have people working from an office. Now, they don't all need to be in the same office, in the same town, in the same country. And this is where I think outsourcing is most valuable in that, you know, you have a, um, an office full of people, but they can be sitting in a different country uh, and taking advantage of um, different labor abundances and, and prices. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In our, in our primary, and we've had to evolve and change and grow uh, with with COVID and, and what it's brought us. But I, I would agree. It's I still think the huge value is having that office environment. Um, and so that is our biggest platform. Now, for us particularly, what we did notice is there are use cases where and, and, and it could be so, that some part of that use case could be just a, the price point is even lower that we actually created a second platform um, or a supplementary platform, uh, whatever you'd like to call it, that is what we would call managed services. That's where we can still offer the same management oversight, uh, the same support structure with our QA, with our training, um, just with the different departmental teamwork support structure, but we actually use uh, virtual people in that scenario to under that platform. It's still not as big and people are still more attracted to the in-office and the values, but there are use cases where uh, that other platform works and works well. And let's just rewind that a little bit then. And, and, you know, we haven't actually introduced, I of course do the introduction, but um, you run my source solutions you're the coo there and the managing partner uh and so what you were saying was primarily you have um a work from office and you have built those facilities their a-grade facilities can you talk first i suppose about that product like what are the what are the main benefits and and uh system uh you know upsides right. to that yeah. So uh, as far as our offices, they are very proud of our office. They're clean. They're nice. They're, they're state of the art, if you will, with with our IT, our computers, our, our hardware systems. Uh, but then also we part of the benefits that come with, with most offices is we do have dual fiber lines. Uh, we have the backup power. So uh, as, especially companies that have used freelancers before, some of the things you can run into are just constant excuses of uh, my internet went out, there was a brownout, or I, you know, heaven forbid, sometimes there's roosters crowing in the background. <laughs> and, and, and not all freelancer scenarios are like that, of course, but it's, it's a common concern uh with using mm. freelancers so so we address that um and then again just having everybody physically in the same spot is great because it's worth sort of reminding the western audience that home base can work in the u.s but it's really different 
circumstances in the Philippines, isn't it? For most average workers, their home environment isn't necessarily very conducive to to a good work environment. And then the infrastructure is, is not so reliable in terms of even electricity, um, but of course the, the internet as well. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I was just, yeah, my paradigm was just uh, based here in the Philippines, but you're right, as far as on the Western side, the dynamics are quite different versus working from home because the, the internet speed and dependability um, in a lot of areas, and, and again, the ones that we pre-screen for that if we do utilize our managed services platform for a partner, uh, but some of the challenges are is is the dependability of power, internet. Um, it is nighttime here, uh, so that takes some considerations with that's when s- scheduled brownouts can happen or, or internet outages or interruptions. And, and plus, as I was joking, but dogs barking, roosters crowing in the background. Uh, you, you get used to it living here, but it, it doesn't come across so well if you're on a business call and, and you've got that that noise coming coming across the phone line. Sure, sure. Yeah. And in terms of uh, context as well, can you describe Cebu? Uh, Manila is the capital city, but how do you how do you you've obviously now settled in Cebu? Um, what's your take on that city? Oh, I love Cebu compared nothing against Manila, but just oh, uh, night night day difference. It's the second largest city, and it's uh, it's come a long long way over the last. Uh, 15, 20 years. So it, it's got all of the big city offerings as, as far as there's, there's nothing a big city has that the availability is not here. It just so happens it's a little bit more laid back or, or location wise. It's easier to get out on the weekends. You, you know, it's, it's a big city, but you're still 20, 30 minutes away from the mountains, 20, 30 minutes away from the beach. Um, so it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds having the city atmosphere, but also being able to get out of the city without a lot of headaches or problems. So a, a lot of, uh, they, they call it provinces in, in the area, a lot of uh, professionals, a lot of great talent come from the outer provinces or out in the country, if you will, and they, they migrate to the city um, for work and for school. And so the talent pool with being in a bigger city like Manila or, or Cebu is just the talent pool is great. It's, it's phenomenal because you're not just tapping into the talent pool of the city. You're tapping into basically the entire region, which has a tendency to migrate to the cities for the education and for the employment. So. And the IT park there, and Cebu is a pretty sophisticated city now, isn't it? Like they're really pushing ahead in terms of uh, the infrastructure, getting the internet, the IT parks. They're really kind of progressive and getting the training, uh, the staffing. It's um, it, it really is kind of making um, a lot of moves to to lay the foundations for an incredible kind of Silicon Valley kind of feel. Oh, exactly. It's huge and beautiful, and 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 it, it goes. With saying with all the large companies that have migrated to IT Park that are currently have offices and locations and have set up operations here, some very very large <laughs> companies. So, um, you know, they're not going to go go somewhere where where it doesn't make financial sense and and that has the infrastructure to support them. So, and so with your you know prior enterprise, you were doing pretty technical roles, um, and of course the Philippines is known for customer service. Where do you see, or what what can or what can't be done with outsourcing, and where do you see particular strengths or common case studies or applications, for example? 
honestly, I don't see the limits. Uh, I, I don't see any parameters that have to be uh, wrapped around the limits of, of what can be outsourced. Um, everything from the transactional, uh, you know, follow A, B, C, D, as, as far as a step-by-step -step transactional type of job, to the customer service, to the highly subjective and um, strategic type of roles to highly technical roles. I, I've seen it all outsourced and I've seen it successfully outsourced. So uh, honestly, not a great or exciting answer to say I, I don't see any limits. Mm. Do you see, you know, my, my previous business and was, uh, was based in London uh, and then I built a customer service back end in the Philippines and that was my first foray into the Philippines but then very quickly I realized you know why why is it just some roles virtually every role can be done from the Philippines and that's what I refer to as sort of tipping the pyramid upside down uh, and then you just need a few hub workers back in the in the home country do you do you see a future where you know entire sort of businesses are built on a Philippine uh, infrastructure Oh, yeah. I, I see that happening now. I, I see a lot of use cases where that is the situation. And I'm very, very, very confident that is going to continue to grow. Uh, and the only thing I see interfering with that is potential source country laws or regulations as far as uh, maybe limiting their ability to outsource. But yes, yes, and yes, it's, it's happening now and it's going to continue to to be more the case. It's an incredible journey, isn't it? You know, I, I listened to a podcast this morning, actually, by, he was, he's now doing other things, but uh, he was the founder of Elance, and those in the industry might recognize that. That was the precursor to Odesk, or it merged with Odesk, that then became Upwork, uh, and is now, you know, one of the major sort of uh, offshore job platforms in the world. Now, they're not really competitors to us because they're more gig work, uh, project work, things right. like that. But, um, you know, he was saying they, they started in the late 90s, in 97. And then it was more a conversation of, you know, people just found it so kind of so outrageous that, that you could employ people globally and how would you pay them and how would you communicate and can they speak English and are they using computers? And now, you know, it is 20 years later, it's taken 20 years, but it's been normalized and people now take for granted that of course there's people sitting in the philippines that can do the job uh that speak english that can communicate so it's come so far hasn't it but you know i'm still you know and i think covid has helped a lot because it's it's made people realize that remote and kind of digital work is is so viable now but do you see you know and you are from the u.s do you how do you see the average U.S. business person seeing and relating to to outsourcing are they quite there yet? Even more so, I, th I think yes. There's still room for growth, and and over the last five years, I, I've seen it grow more and more and more with the interest and and their knowledge that it, it's available. It, it, first, when we first got started, we, we would get a large percentage of very protective that, especially when we first approached, like we, it wasn't organic growth, obviously in the early days, it was all new, <laughs> new, new clients, new partners bringing on board. And it was convincing them that, you know, it's, it's a global community. It's not just a local community. So if you're offering gainful employment, you're offering it to a global community, community. 
versus no, that's taking away local jobs. That's taking away local jobs. And, and I understand that, but that, that was what I heard a lot. And now you don't hear that so much. Uh, now a lot of our growth has been organic and referral driven, but but even still, we, we do still have the cold calling outreach or, or, or the cold outreach, I should say. Um, you don't hear it as much. I think people are starting to realize its its viability, the benefits. And, and again, I think it's just an industry that's just had monumental growth over the last 20 years, but is going to continue to have monumental growth over the next 20 years. And I think it's, it's almost like an arbitrage situation where you've got some salaries at 5000 a month in one sector of, of the globe and you've got other salaries at 500 a month and there's going to, you know, eventually, eventually, whether it takes 10 or 50 or 100 years, that will balance out. Uh, and it, it's really just sort of finding that equilibrium or, or moving more towards that mean, uh, which is both scary and, and exciting. But I, I think, you know, out of every situation, there's a lot of opportunity and, um, you know, things are things are getting better all the time, but but you know I want to discuss as well. Your you've got a lot of executive experience. How how does the pricing work? How does the structuring work? Pretend I'm you know a, a plumber from Midwest US. He's I'm scratching my head, kind of trying to figure all this stuff out. Can you walk me through the kind of pricing structure a little bit? Yeah, we we try to stay pretty transparent as transparent as possible with our pricing so that we don't try to hide anything there's no hidden fees or anything uh, we have all-inclusive pricing uh, under our generalist we call it generalist whether it's customer service whether it's uh, accounts payable accounts receivable social media management you, you name the different things that would typically fall under the BPO umbrella um, we call those generalist services for in-house which again is our primary platform the hourly rate usually ranges between eight to 950 an hour and that's that's all in there again there's no taxes there's no hidden fees there's no additional seat costs it's just an all-inclusive rate. Um, for our managed services platform, it usually runs between six to seven fifty an hour, and there's some variables to how many FTEs or or how many associates are needed, uh, things like that. Uh, we don't do long-term commitments. That's that's one thing about us is we don't do long-term uh, lock-ins, or if you will, uh, it's not lost on us that we have to continuously prove um, our value whether it be through an ROI or time savings or, or what have you, we don't ever want to lose sight of that. So we don't have uh, long-term lock-ins uh, beyond that. There might be a few exceptions, but this is why a discovery call is always needed before we get the final pricing. We'll, we'll give a range, but if, if there were some technical uh, positions that were needed, if, if somebody needed Python programming or, or Ruby on Rails or a very specific skill set, then then obviously the, the price point's going to be different. But under the generalist uh, umbrella, that, that, that's our current pricing. And what sort of person do you get? What resource do you get for eight to nine fifty an hour? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we we, la- we want to make sure that we match up skill sets. With the, with the needed skills. So we're just talking in general terms now, but in general terms for, for say, customer service, our screening process is we're going to look at college degreed associates that have a minimum of three years of experience in either sales and or customer service with, with a strong 
teleservices uh, presence. Uh, we are part of our screening process is just to ensure the aptitude, the conversation ability, how well they're going to pick up, and honestly, how well they're going to interact in our work environment and our organizational culture. Obviously, that's a big part of our screening. Uh, but as far as external, they're going to get that that rounded experience with the education and um, and the assurement that they're going to have great conversational ability, high aptitudes, logic, subjectivity, you know, be able to be subjective and analytical or objective and analytical, if you will. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And how, you know, we're, we're still under the, the, the shadow or cloud of COVID and, and you know, cases are fairly prevalent in Cebu from what I'm hearing. But how, how has that whole journey been for you and your operations and transitioning people from the office to, to home. How was that whole thing gone? I, I, yeah, we, uh, since we, we are, um, office based, we, we did have a short stint due to, uh, certain regulations that were in place last year that, that we had to go virtual very, for a very, very short time. We, uh, we worked with everybody to make sure that they were set up safe, um, ab- above all things, but set up where we could continue the, or where we could offer the continued employment. Once we got back to the office environment, um, we're sure to follow all the regulations as far as social distancing, the masks and, and everything. So we, we, we've got a, a large office, so it's, it's not a problem there. Um, uh, so it really hasn't created any problems in the office environment. There, there is, we do run into people that are, are still, as far as our applicant pool, there are people that definitely want and, and are only interested in a work from home type setup. And just like there's still a large applicant pool that would prefer to be in office or in an office and still willing to come to an office, I should say. Um, so we just deal with that. Our applicant pool is, is large enough that we can deal with that. So it hasn't created any problems. But honestly, that's been that's really been the only change as far as dynamics is, is just does your dealing with the a portion of the applicant pool that, that only wants to, to do the work from home versus ones that are willing and or interested in working from the office. Uh, beyond that, just following social guidelines, social distancing, all that stuff, keeping everybody safe and uh, continuous education, of course. Yeah. And in the Philippines, you know, it's, again, it's, it's valuable to point out that the outsourcing sector, the workers, they're considered frontliners, they're considered, um, high priority staffing so they're getting all the vaccines first they're really you know a prioritized sector in in the national agenda aren't they can you can you sort of i suppose speak to how the outsourcing industry is so big so prevalent and so supported in the philippines yeah i mean the the truth is it's it's a large part of of the the company's economics uh or or inbound revenue so so understandably so it, it they do have hold a highly viewed and and well taken care of uh they represent a well taken care of vertical within the country uh just because it has created the sheer number of jobs it's created and and the revenue that it's brought into the country that uh yeah that the philippines does look out for it it's it's larger players so so the industry is taken care of with uh versus well, well, as you mentioned, it they're considered frontliners. They're higher on the priority list uh, when it comes to vaccination schedules. Um, there are allowances when it does come to, to curfews or, or things like that that might be in place. There's 
there's protection for the associates. So, so we've been able to continue employment for, for our associates. So as have, as have the BPO industry as a whole. So, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, and I think it's just so it's, it, people can often think that the Philippines is sort of a washed up backwater and people are working out of shacks and shanties and, you know, it's all sort of a lot of people just winging it, but it's an incredibly sophisticated industry and one that the, the Philippine government you know, is fully backed, uh, fully supportive of, and it's, you know, highly technological now. Um, and, you know, a small business in the U.S. can effectively buy into this highly sophisticated industry just by, you know, getting a staff member for, for you know, eight or nine dollars an hour. It's, uh, it's an incredible opportunity for the Western businesses to, to tap into this. Well, Daryl, thank you so much. This is probably a great place to leave it. If anyone wants to know any more about MySource Solutions, and of course, you know, pick up the phone. I, I really do. This isn't an infomercial, but I really recommend that people get such incredible value if they just have a phone call and share their sort of business uh, concerns, queries, uh, scenarios, and, and see what might come up. But Daryl, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or, or know more about MySource, how can they do that? Sure. Uh, my number is 816. It would come to me because, I, honestly, I love talking to people. So even if it's just questions um, or to provide thoughts or feedback, that'd be great. Uh, but 816-892-5503, is, that's my direct number. Great. And that's a U.S. number, obviously. Isn't yes, it? yes. Mm-hmm. And we'll have the uh, website. What is the website as well? We'll put that in the show notes. But uh, uh, Yeah, mysourcesolutions.com. Brilliant. Thank you, Derek. You have a great day. It's great talking to you. That was Daryl Christensen of MySource Solutions. If you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.